Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Bowl season is upon us. The college football playoff has been selected. Heck, I mean, we're already Appalachian State and North Texas are playing right now, but as fast as we could get in, I brought in, we'll call, we'll call him, we'll call him uh, my college football lead analyst. Uh, Jacob Siegel is here to join us today run through every bowl game, give some feedback, and put in our predictions as well as who we have winning the national championship. Jacob, how are you? I'm good. Happy to be here playing everyone's favorite game. Guess which 19 through 21-year-olds are motivated for a football game? It's it's a great game. <laughs> it's uh, that, that, I mean, look, we'll see. This is a bowl season unlike any other, especially with all the specific opt-outs. We have teams from the SEC that have two or three wins playing. Well, we have nine and two armies sitting around. We'll see. Hopefully, um, they'll get an opportunity to fill Tennessee's void, but we'll see. Um, but let's let's hop right into it. So the first one that we'll be picking from for reference, both of us took North Texas plus twenty one, but Appalachian State outright as of now that's not looking too hot. But you never know. Um, first game on I guess following today's game. Tomorrow, it'll be the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It'll be Tulane, three-point favorites, going against Nevada. What are you thinking? So I'm a big Mountain West guy. I live out here by uh, San Jose State. That was probably my favorite story this year. That was fun to watch. They're a fun team. And I think Nevada is a good team as well. I think Carson Strong, they have a good quarterback. Jay Norvell, at head coach, I think they're building something up there in Reno. And Tulane, I just think they're fine but I think they're always fine and so I, I'll take Nevada with I think three is our number three is our number yeah yeah so I'll take Nevada getting the three I'll uh this is nice I feel like usually we're in agreement I'm gonna go the other way I like Tulane I think it'll be a good close game I'm a fan of Carson Strong but I think this Tulane defense can give him some fits he um he didn't necessarily look incredible against San Jose State I think this should definitely be a good one, considering it's not necessarily the biggest of names. Um, good defense, though. I like Patrick Johnson for Tulane. I think Tulane really—they're sitting at six and five. They could easily be seven and four if not for that double overtime thriller against uh, Tulsa. So I think I th- this is one could really go either way. But I'm gonna lean—I'm gonna lean Tulane on this one. I'll say 29-24 Tulane. Roll. Uh, Roll, roll wave. Is that what they yeah. roll wave? That's green their wave. roll, roll green wave. Uh, next one we have the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. This will feature the UCF Golden Knights and the number 16 BYU Cougars. BYU is a seven point favorite. So I don't love having to lay the full seven with BYU. I'd prefer to get a better number if you can get a six and a half. But I think Zach Wilson knows that this game is important for him. He wasn't great uh, against Coastal Carolina. He has a chance now to be QB2 
I think he might even be my QB2 come April because um, Justin Field doesn't look great. Lawrence has obviously looked amazing. He's going to look great in the Jaguars uniform. Um, Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm rolling with BYU. I think Wilson's coming out motivated, and BYU wants to show that that loss to Coastal Carolina doesn't mean they're a bad team. I think this will be another super fun one. UCF, they can score points for days. Dylan Gabriel is an absolute stud, but this UCF defense isn't going to be able to pace Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson looking to put forth a big game, last opportunity for his NFL resume. I think he gets it done. Seven points, it's tough because there will be a lot of points on the board. But I'm going to lean. I'm leaning BYU. I'm going to say 45 to 35. Cougs. He's, I don't think he's listening, but if he is, shout out Scott Havertz. Uh, moving on to December 23rd, we have the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. That'll feature, as usual, a team from Louisiana. That's going to be Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is a six point favorite. So I do not have a great read on this game. I'm, as I said, a West Coast person. I haven't watched much of either of these teams this year. And with this year being as weird as it as it is, there's such a quick turnaround. But I've always kind of been a little bit of a Georgia State person or Georgia Southern, excuse me, a Georgia Southern person. Um, I just think they're a better team than Louisiana Tech. I think that they have more of a talent base. I don't think Louisiana Tech's ever been particularly good. They have Sonny Dykes who went to Cal, who was not my favorite, even though he was fun to watch. So I'll take Georgia Southern at what number do we have? Georgia Southern minus six. Yeah. So I'm going the other way, actually. I'm, um, I don't have a great read on this as well, but also I think Sonny, isn't Sonny Dykes at SMU? He is now. Yep. Oh, was he, was he there? Yep. He was at Louisiana Tech. Then he went to Berkeley and now he's at SMU which just on tangent he's a I think he's a really good group of five coach bringing the air raid there but he's not going to work again in in the power five okay okay um I don't know a lot about either of these teams but what I do know is Louisiana Tech has won six straight bowl games and when I dug deep into this Georgia Southern sounds like they could be down to their third string quarterback their starting quarterback got banged up didn't play their last couple of games so I don't know when I don't have a great read on these teams and one of them might be playing their third string. The other one has six straight bowl wins. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with a bowl. win. so I'll take Louisiana tech 24, 20 tech. Um, if we were doing this on a confidence scale, this would be one of my lower tier ones, but uh, so be it. Next up, we have the Montgomery bowl uh, Memphis nine and a half favorites taking on the former lane Kiffin FAU owls. Sorry about that. Um, so I've never really been a big FAU guy under Lane. Um, this year, I think they have Willie Taggart at the helm, who I don't think is the world's greatest coach. Um, but I just don't see it in Memphis this year. They've kind of fallen back. They don't have uh, the same name this year as they have before. Cincinnati's passed them. UCF's passed them. I think just a year ago, they were playing in the Cotton Bowl, I believe, against Penn State. And they were motivated. Everyone thought Brady White in his billionth year of college was going to have some breakout year, and he just didn't. And so I think that they're not going to be able to cover this nine and a half. I don't really think they want to be 
the Montgomery Bowl playing FAU. I think they think they're better than that. And so they're just going to come out half-hearted effort and not be able to put up, put up enough points to cover. I think, and first, I my when I look at my notes, my first line says Brady White is 100. He's been playing college football forever, I mean. And while they definitely have taken a step back, I don't love really anything about this FAU team. They don't uh, spark anything in me. And although Memphis hasn't been the same this year, um, really since the opt-out from DeMonte Coxey, Brady White, he's got that talent. I think there's still a lot to like about the Memphis offense. The line, the line, you can go either way, but I, I definitely think Memphis wins this game. I'm just saying Memphis 38 to 24. Um, next we got December 24th. Uh, this is rare. Usually, see, I feel like you usually see Hawaii playing on Christmas, but uh, usually in their native land. Versus uh, this year, they'll be playing in New Mexico, the New Mexico Bowl, Hawaii, 13-point underdogs against the Houston Cougars. I believe the New Mexico Bowl is actually not in New Mexico this year. I, I, I guess I didn't think about that because the state of New Mexico has been down on that. Let me look at this. Yeah, exactly. The Lobos had to play at uh, Sam Boyd Stadium in um, – Frisco, Texas, New, Mex- yeah, New Mexico Bowl and Frisco, Texas. There you go. So we have the New Mexico Bowl in Texas, and we also have the Rose Bowl in Texas. I would have my thought process. I think the Rose Bowl this year should be called. Uh, I mean, it can't be called the Rose Bowl. Maybe the the Tumbleweed Bowl. Tumbleweed Bowl. <laughs> it should I be called anything but the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah. But here, I think Hawaii's offense is too good to lay thirteen against them with a mediocre Houston team. Um, I don't think either team's great. I don't think this is going to be a particularly fun game to watch, but I feel like I have to take 13 points in a bowl game when I don't think Houston's some juggernaut. Uh, I'm totally in line with you. I'm t- I like Houston outright, but neither of these teams spark enough confidence to think that there's going to be more than a 13-point margin. I will say Houston has definitely been throwing a raw deal. They've been they've – been, I mean – I'm trying to think of other teams. I think they might be one of the worst in terms of their games being canceled and such going back and forth. I think having the set time, being able to work on that concentrated game plan, not worrying about if it's getting canceled, I think they'll win, but 13's a lot. I'll say 34-23 Houston. Next Christmas Day, we have the Camellia Bowl, the Marshall what is it? Thundering herd, I believe. Thundering herd. Go. I think I, I look, I got what? 118 on the name every <laughs> FBS mascot. I got, I got that one right. Uh, versus Buffalo. Buffalo three point favorites. Um, I haven't seen anything that Jarrett Patterson isn't playing. And if he's not playing, that definitely changes things. But I think Buffalo, after going down to Ball State, the team that they are almost definitely better than. Um, we'll want to go out and put on a show against Marshall, who I think they beat someone really badly early in the year. There was some blowout there, and then they've just kind of looked like a team since then. So I'll take Buffalo laying the three. Yeah, I'm taking Buffalo as well. They they had a tough uh, case in their conference championship, but this Marshall team has been even worse. 
They they started off hot. They got themselves ranked. I'm looking at it. Marshall blew out Eastern Kentucky 59-0, and then they beat App State. They kept taking care of business, but then their last two games, which had a cancellation in the middle, they were shut out by Rice. They lost 20 to nothing against the Rice Owls and then laid a dud against UAB in the conference championship. Marshall just is not playing good football right now. And and all indications have said that Jarrett Patterson is playing. So that leads me to take Buffalo and three points. I think I think Buffalo will handle them. I'll say 31 to 17. And as we go there, App State just beat North Texas 56-28, which means both of our first pick of North Texas plus 21 was wrong. But just because we were wrong on that one doesn't mean that we're going to be wrong on all the others. So stick around. Law of averages says we're going to be right on some of the next ones. Well, one of – I mean, look, we've we've had different picks, so one of us has to get one right at some point. It's that simple. Um, that's that's the only Christmas game. 26, that's a Saturday, so we're loaded there. Starting off with a game that was actually supposed to be played this year. It was canceled in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. Liberty takes on number 12, Coastal Carolina. The mullet men are six-point favorites. I have a hard time seeing how uh, South Carolina wants to be there. I think their AD is Ray Tanner. Er and, and he said that we don't take votes in the SEC on if we want to play. I, I think – I think – I'm talking about the coast. I think oh. we're looking at different games right now. I think I say I, – I think I texted you after. I'm talking – Oh, yes, you uh, did. Yeah, you my did. bad, my bad, my bad. Wrong game. <laughs> um, so the Coastal game, Coastal, they care. Liberty, they don't. Coastal was supposed to play Liberty earlier in the year. I think that's – the game that was supposed to be game day and was canceled. Um, that led to the BYU game, but I just think Coastal Carolina's a much better football team than Liberty. Hugh Freeze has been spending his time with coaching searches and not uh, with actually coaching. And so I'll take uh, Coastal Carolina. What number are we getting there? Six. All right. Um, for me, I think There'll be some there'll be some good moments in this game. I like Malik Willis, fun to watch. This is a good Liberty team, but this is a exciting Coastal Carolina team that's really made to run the ball, but just have a dynamic signal caller and Grayson McCall. And that's what my notes say. Grayson McCall, good at football. Uh, six points. I think this Coastal Carolina team is just needs to keep winning, proving themselves, saying they're a top ten team. I think they'll do it. Um, I, I had them losing to Louisiana Lafayette had they played last week, but they skate by for that. I think they'll take care of Liberty 34-24. And then in the game that you were referencing before, in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, uh, South Carolina takes on UAB. UAB a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, going back to this game, I think it was actually Mike Bobo, not Ray Tanner, who said Mike Bobo being the interim head coach. Um, at South Carolina, who said that we don't take votes in the SEC, and we basically, our players don't have a choice on if they want to play a bowl game we're playing this year, and while some may see that as the coaches care and good, I think it's more of a bad sign, and that the players don't necessarily get to pick. It's been a tough year at South Carolina. I don't really think he gets any better. They're in this weird position where I think Bobo's still coaching, but Shane Beamer's there, and so I just think too much going on at South Carolina on top of them not just being that good a football team. And so I'll take UAB. 
Yeah, I think this is just – it's ridiculous that South Carolina is playing this bowl game because they've been bad this year. They've had opt-outs. There's, there's a lot going on at that program, and the fact that as a two-win team they're playing the Conference USA champions, it's just there's, there's really no winning in this because – Either UAB, you know, wins a game that, that they should because they are a conference champion versus a lowly South Carolina team, or South Carolina, you know, somehow comes out and wins this game and it's just a knock on the group of five. South Carolina shouldn't be playing football right now. They should be fixing their infrastructure issue. So I'll take UAB. UAB has played really good defense coming off a title game. Four and a half, I'll give it to them. 27-17 UAB. I will say, though, one thing that worries me is Bill Clark at UAB has been mentioned in the Auburn coaching search. Now, I do think Bill Clark is kind of um, UAB through and through. I think it'll take a lot to prime away from there, but I do think Auburn is a good job. Um, and if, they'll, if they're willing to give Bill Clark the goods and the resources to do well there, I think he might take that job, which would definitely change the dynamics of this game. Yeah. Uh, then Auburn coaching search. That's that's an interesting one. Next up, we have the Lending Tree Bowl between the mighty Western Kentucky Hilltoppers and Georgia State. Georgia State four and a half point favorite. I am uh, muted again. I need to remember to unmute myself. Um, <laughs> that game. I've always been a big a fan of Western Kentucky and Big Red. I feel like a lot of the time they're either playing in the first bowl game of the year, they're in the Bahamas a lot. So that's this Monday slot. Um, and so I've just become a big fan of them over the years in bowl games. It's fun to root for them. I want to say they've been involved in some crazy plays down in the Bahamas. We all know how windy it can get down there. Um, so I'll take them plus four and a half. I mean, I don't have a great read on either of these teams. I love the Western Kentucky mascot. So when I was looking at this, because I'm, I'm not going to act like I've been watching either of these teams much. It's a five and six versus five and four group of five teams. But do you know the name of the starting quarterback for Georgia State? His name is Cornelius Brown the fourth, and that is a cool name. He's going up against, I believe, Tyrell Pigrom, uh, Maryland transfer, is Western Kentucky's quarterback. But that's not as cool of a name as Cornelius Brown the Fourth. So I'll take yeah. Georgia. I'll take I'll take Georgia State solely because of the name thirty to twenty four. And and that's the great insight that you get here on the Red Shirt Podcast. That's what you get on the Red Shirt Podcast. That's what we're all about. Name. I mean, look. If if it was really all about names, I'll tell you, Auburn would be a national champion. You got Smoke Monday, Big Cat Bryant. <laughs> Bo, Bo Nix is even a, like a cool name. They 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 just pump out good names. Um, next up we have the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl. We have uh, number nineteen Louisiana, thirteen point favorites against University of Texas San Antonio. So I know you're a big uh, Raging Cajun guy. I kind of like him as well. I feel like they're also a team that plays a lot on the first. Um, weekend of the year but just looking through their schedule this year they scored 44 against texas state 38 against south alabama both of those not great teams uh they put up 70 but that was against ulm which may be one of the worst teams in college football this year and so i just don't think they'll put up enough uh to cover this 13 against jeff trailer 
in UTSA. I think that's a team to watch in the coming years. I think Jeff Trailer is a pretty good coach, up and comer, and so I'll take UTSA plus the thirteen. You're taking UTSA outright, or no, just the plus? No, 13? just just plus okay. the points. Okay, just, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that was okay. I I just wanted to make sure we we're on the same page there. UTSA definitely is an underrated squad when you look through. They played hard with BYU. They've had some big wins against bowl teams. They beat their rivals, UTEP. Um, they dominated North Texas, but then again, we just saw North Texas clearly ain't that much. I think this comes down to spread, and Louisiana is just so loaded on the ground. They have Eli Mitchell, Trey Raggis, Chris Smith, uh, Levi Lewis at quarterback. He's dynamic, and I think their defense can get some stops. And when you think of spread, I think late in the game they're gonna they're just they're gonna be running it from the get go, and I think I the cover will be interesting, but I'm gonna take Louisiana with a couple late runs to cover. So I'll say 41 to 20 Cajuns. I just think UTSA is just a little overmatched. Um, next up we have your favorite bowl game. I got Jacob's favorite bowl game that is repurposed a bit and not quite the matchup. Not quite as cool of a matchup, but a pretty good matchup. It's the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, 21 Oklahoma State, they are three-point favorites against number 18 Miami. So I don't think this game should be called the Cheez-It Bowl. It doesn't feel right. Teams of this quality should never be in the Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It Bowl is made for bad Power 5 teams that have somehow snuck into a bowl game and will play stupid football like the Cal TCU game, like Mike Leach last year. It's not meant for actually good football teams. Um, but speaking of that, I think Oklahoma State had the chance to be a great team. I think they had a chance to win the Big Ten, Big 12, excuse me, maybe even make the playoff. And then they just totally, totally fizzled out as the year uh, went on. Do I think they're three points better than Miami? I do, except right now in their current iteration, I just feel like Oklahoma State's kind of fallen apart. And so I'll take Miami outright which says a lot because I've never really been the biggest Miami guy I think these are two interesting teams that had high hopes and fizzled out a bit for Oklahoma State they really they were riding hot I think a lot of people like them in the big 12 race but they just can't beat Oklahoma they can't beat Oklahoma it's had this domino effect. They've lost to the likes of, I believe they lost to TCU. They killed Baylor recently, but they're just not. The offense has been good. You know, it's the Big 12. They're going to score some points, but it hasn't been that dynamic trio of Spencer Sanders, who has been disappointing. Chuba Hubbard, who has been the most disappointing player in the country and won't be playing in the bowl game. And Tylan Wallace, who is good, but when your wide receiver is the only guy, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work as well. So, with all that being said, Miami, they were kind of staying the course. They kept winning. They had the tough game against Clemson, but I don't think anyone's that that surprised. But then that game against North Carolina was – that was just ridiculous. You can't lose like that. That's so disappointing and not what that season was looking like. And with – I know they've had some opt-outs on the defensive line. We're not going to see Jalen Phillips and Co. This is – this will be such a good game at full strength. This is a great, like, opening game to see who's real, who's not. So, I can't, I go both ways. 
but I'm going to lean Oklahoma State. I'll take them 31-27, so a cover as well. Next one, the Valero Alamo Bowl, number 20, Texas. 12.5 point favorites against Colorado. So I first look at this line, I'm like, is Texas really motivated? They're 12.5 point favorites against Colorado. Um, I think they're big eight rivals, but now they don't really care about each other. Um, and then I remember last year, Texas was playing Utah, who was off a loss in the Pac-12 championship game when they probably had a chance to make the playoff. And Texas absolutely smacked Utah. That game wasn't close. Year before, Texas also got a team who was off of a loss, I believe. It was Georgia, the Georgia team that just missed the playoff. Georgia was a big favorite in that game. Texas won. Sam Ellinger said Texas is back. And even though he was lying, that still meant they they won a bowl game. And so I think it's tough to bet against Texas in a bowl game. Um, but Colorado is coming off, getting absolutely screwed by the Pac-12 in the way only the Pac-12 could. They had their equipment uh, manager was parking with the equipment trunk equipment truck halfway between uh, Boulder and LA in case they had to go fill in uh, for the Pac-12 championship. So there was just a mess there. Pac-12 did not want to uh, do Colorado any favors, but I think they come out fired up. They've really impressed me this year under Carl Durrell. Um, I thought they were going to be terrible. They've been pretty good. So I'll take Colorado here uh, plus the 12 and a half kind of saying with my philosophy this year that none of these teams that are okay should be laying this many points. Yeah, I understand that thought process, but the precedent set by Texas in some of these bowl games really um, really makes me trend uh, orange, I suppose. They've had some opt-outs, but Sam Ellinger, who feel, he also feels like he's been here forever and ever. I don't think this Texas team loses – and I think they go out there. Colorado, I think they've definitely surprised and they're better than expected. But I think a lot of that has to do with being in the shell of the Pac-12. I think they get out there and they play a legit Texas team. Whether you know whether or not they be at full strength because of opt-outs, I think Texas hammers them, 38-20. to 20. Uh, Horns up. You can't see this because it's an audio podcast. Horns up, Jacob is doing the horns down. That would be... A penalty if we were playing in the Big 12. Um, Moving on, we're at December 30th, nearing the new year. Uh, The Dukes, not sponsored by the University of Duke, uh, but Duke's Mayo Bowl between Wake Forest and the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin, a touchdown favorite. This game I want nothing to do with. I'm a big Wisconsin fan, and I feel like I have absolutely no read on this team. Jack Cohn is transferring out. Chase Wolf got some reps at the end of the game against Minnesota, which Wisconsin was probably lucky to win, even though they're the better team. Um, and so here in Duke's Mayo Bowl, I want to take Wisconsin. I don't think Wake Forest is that great. Um, but getting the lineup at seven here, I think I have to take Wake Forest. This Wisconsin team on offense has just not been able to do anything whatsoever since that um, – Michigan game I don't know if you can trust them to lay seven against anyone right now so I'll take Wisconsin to win outright but I'm definitely I'm taking Wake against the spread so this has a lot to do with who's playing for Wisconsin even more than just if it's Graham Mertz at quarterback do they are they fully healthy at running back are they gonna have Jalen Berger 
Groshek, um, and all those guys at receiver, are they going to have prior Danny Davis? If they're fully healthy and uh, available, I like Wisconsin. And I'm going to take Wisconsin either way, not necessarily confident in that. Wake Forest, I think they're they're an okay team. I like Sam Hartman a lot from watching um, QB1. And they've definitely, they've had some good moments, but they've been super struck by coronavirus as well. They, their most recent game, they lost by 24 to my preseason darling Louisville, who amounted to nothing and had almost all their best players opt out. Long story short, um, this is a really weird game, but I'm going to take Wisconsin, and for better or worse, I'll have them cover the seven. Um, next, we have the Transperfect Music City Bowl featuring the number 15 Iowa Hawkeyes and the somehow once-ranked Missouri Tigers. Missouri's a whole two-touchdown underdog. I'm big Missouri guy under a lie drink wits for years to come, but for this game, I think it has to be Iowa. Uh, first of all, I think Kirk Ferentz has figured something out in bowl games. From 2011 to 2016, Iowa lost the bowl game every single year with the exception of 2012 when they didn't go. Um, and then 2017, 18, 19, they won their bowl game in each of them, including last year when they annihilated USC 49 to 2024. Um, and in watching that game, that game wasn't even that close. Iowa was winning from the get-go and that game was never, never in doubt. Um, so I'll take Iowa. I think they've quietly had a really good year after their loss to Purdue and Northwestern the first two weeks of the year. People kind of wrote them off. Spencer Petras, not that good, yada, yada, yada. And they came out, beat uh, Michigan State and Minnesota and Penn State handily. Had a few tighter wins against Nebraska and Illinois, and then um, won pretty easily against Wisconsin in the game in a little bit of snow. And so I think they'll be able to continue that against a mediocre best Missouri team. Yeah, I think – Look, I've, I've been an Iowa skeptic. I I, I was I, don't, I still don't think they're the 15th best team in the country. But, I mean, Missouri being ranked at one point was laughable. They're, they have some decent players uh, running back. Uh, Roundtree, he's solid. But this just isn't an incredible Missouri team. And Iowa, they've gotten it done. I think 14 is a lot, so I'm going to take Missouri for the 14. But I'll say, uh, I'll say Iowa. I mean, they always – come out and play that gritty, hard-nosed Iowa football, say 35-24 to Hawkeyes. And then we have our first, I believe this is our first New Year's Six game, yes? I believe so. We have the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic between SEC runner-ups, the number seven Florida Gators, and Big 12 champs, number six Oklahoma Sooners, Vegas is saying Florida minus three. Yeah, so this is a really interesting game. I think these teams are actually both really, really good. I think I'd take them to be the fourth best team, both over Notre Dame, over AM. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they deserve to be in the playoff. I do think Notre Dame or Cincinnati, that's another story, deserve that spot. But I think these might be the uh, fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth best teams in the country. Um, I don't have a great read on this game. I think Oklahoma is changing. I forget where I heard this, but that Oklahoma is becoming more of a true blue blood and less of just a big 10, big 12 team that just puts up points on anyone. They're recruiting better both sides of the ball. I know that may go down a little bit after Shane Beamer left. Um, I'm not too worried about that. Alex Grinch's defense 
has definitely improved. Spencer Rattler, um, he's not great yet. I don't think people expected him to be great this year. Um, another QB1 guy, I believe. Yep. Um, and then Florida is another good team with Tony and Pitts, both really, really good players. I believe Pitts opted out. Um, yes, Pitts opted game. out. Um, so that's big because he, he kind of has to be double covered. There's no real college player that can guard that body at, for someone who's basically a wide receiver. Um, Trask is a good player. I do think he'll play in this game. Um, yes. I haven't seen that he won't. Um, Dan Mullen's good coach. But I think Oklahoma wants to show that just because they get smacked in the playoff every year doesn't mean that they can't prepare um, and beat teams uh, in bowl games. I think they just sneak in as the four seed every year somehow and play games that they have no business being in. Um, so I'll take them plus three here against Florida. You like high-powered offense. This is the one for you. Florida, I think – even in the loss, I think they proved how great of a team they are and where where they would be. Obviously, I suppose it wouldn't matter. I mean, they already lost to Texas A&M, but had they not lost to LSU, what they would be considered as. Um, Oklahoma, a great, great team, and I think you hit it. They're becoming more than just to score a lot of points, but – their defense, it I, really no defense has had a true answer outside of a little bit of LSU, but that's besides the point. You're not stopping the Florida offense. No, Kyle Pitts won't be there. Um, if Kadarius Tony isn't there, that might lead me to a different story. But Kyle Trask has been incredible this year. I think he's going to have a field day. And I think if they can really just get one stop, Kyle, I don't know if Kyle Trask is going to get stopped. So I'm going to take Florida in this one. I'm going to say 45 to 37 Gators. And then we are on to Chris or not Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve. That beginning with the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, number 24, Tulsa, two and a half point favorites against the Pirate Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yeah, so Mike Leach, weird guy, Mississippi State, weird team. Seems like a weird fit. I think it seemed like a weird fit from the get-go. Might seem even more weird now. And then Tulsa, I think, is a really good team. They played um, Cincinnati close in the AC, the AAC excuse me, uh, championship game. I believe Zayvon Collins is still playing uh, in the bowl game this year. He's a really good player for Tulsa. Um think getting it under three good value to lay with Tulsa yeah I'm um I'm with you I'm taking Tulsa Zavin Collins Tulsa's defense against a Mississippi State offense that's been up and down Will Rogers is their guy now he's had some good games he's like yeah I think they can get to him their offense isn't anything special but I think they can score enough two and a half really makes it um, a lot easier in terms of if you're taking Tulsa, you're probably taking them out, right? So I'm get that's what I'm gonna be doing. I'm saying Tulsa, thank the heavens for the two and a half. They win by three. 23-20 Tulsa. Shout out friend of the podcast, Trent Sweeney. Go Golden Hurricanes. Uh, next we have the Arizona Bowl. 
between Ball State and number 22, San Jose State. San Jose State, seven-point favorites in this affair. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, um, I'm a big San Jose State guy this year. I think one of the big reasons they won the Mountain West Championship game is they care. You can see with some of their post-game videos um, what it meant to them. You can see also their great social media team at work. Um, Incredible social media team. 10 out of 10. Yeah. um, And so I'm definitely going to play San Jose State here. I just don't think you can bet against them. I'm not saying it's necessarily the sharpest play or the smartest play, but I just don't think anything's getting in the way of the Spartans here, minus seven. They have just been doing it. You think of San Jose State as a perennial awful team that you only really see in the news if you read ESPN's weekly article of like their bottom 10. But Brett Brennan at the helm with Nick Starkle, he's turned this team around. And to be noted, he's a leading figure in the Arizona football vacancy. I don't know why anyone would take it, but he is. And this game being played in Tucson, Arizona, um, I think San Jose State, Wins this game, Nick Sarkle caps off the magical season, and for better, for worse, I think Brent Brennan doesn't go back on the team bus and he stays in disgusting, disgusting Tucson. So I'll take San Jose State in the 7, 34-23. Shout out Ball State, though, you know? Um, this is just a special San Jose State team. Net, the next one on the list was canceled. That's the West Virginia-Tennessee game, so... Maybe if anything happens in the next couple minutes and they, and for whatever reason, college football decides to take a dub and they put in um, a replacement, we can talk about that candidly. But for now, we'll move on to the Macari Texas Bowl between Arkansas and TCU. TCU, five and a half point favorites. Again, that's my third time. Three strikes and I'm out. Um, hopefully Three strikes and you're out. Good thing this isn't a baseball podcast. Yeah, hope, hopefully uh, I mean, <laughs> ah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. So um, my biggest memory of TCU in bowl season is the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, I was there. That game was stupid. That was college football at its worst, which to me is college football at its best. That's why I love college football. Um, but I'm big Arkansas guy this year, Sam Pittman. Felipe Franks. Um, I just don't know what TCU does that's special. Their defense isn't great this year. Max Duggan's been fine. Gary Patterson's a fine coach. And so I just feel like TCU's a fine team that shouldn't be laying five and a half here against Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. I'm, I'm with you in terms of being a bit of a TCU skeptic. But they've played pretty good football down the stretch. They killed Louisiana Tech. They upset Oklahoma State. I mean, they beat Kansas. I don't know if you want a medal for that. They've played, all, all things considered, pretty good football. So this Arkansas team, they started off looking pretty promising. They had a brutal loss to Alabama, not necessarily unsurprising. They kept it close with Missouri and LSU, not so much with Florida. I don't know. I just – I like what Sam Pittman is doing, but ultimately – this TCU team, they've been clicking a little bit at the end and know they don't do anything great, but I think they'll handle Arkansas here. Five and a half, I'll take at 38-27 TCU. Uh, next up, Happy New Year. Started off with some Chick-fil-A, and by Chick-fil-A, I mean the Peach Bowl. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Number nine, Georgia. 
seven and a half point favorites against group of five darling number eight the Cincinnati Bearcats yeah so I know this line's been moving in Cincinnati's favor Georgia's been having some opt-outs I'm big on Cincinnati here I think this feels a little bit like that uh, game I was just talking about Texas versus Georgia not that Georgia just got left out of the playoff but I don't think they care I don't think they care about this game against Cincinnati it's been a weird year they lost uh to Alabama they lost to Florida um so I just don't really think they're they're in it I know they've been a much different team since JT Daniels has come back but I just think Cincinnati wants to send a message send us to the playoff the group of five is good um and I think similar to Tulsa they want Tulsa San Jose State um Coastal Carolina I know I picked also so I just think these top group of five teams are good football teams and they care they like this big stage um, when Georgia may not care as much about this game. So you have Cincinnati outright? I do. Gotcha. So I think I can totally understand the Georgia not necessarily being in it narrative. We've seen it the last couple of years when they've been left out of the playoff. And I understand the Cincinnati defense is great. And Desmond Rudder, he's a dynamic player when he's on. But I just think JT Daniels and Georgia, they're a different animal. They've looked vibrant once JT took over. I think they're going to have success. They're going to get some points. And, you know, opt-outs, injuries might play a factor, but this is still one of the most talented defenses in the country for Georgia. So I'm going to take Georgia. I'm going to take them with the points, I think. It'd be cool to see Cincinnati win, and would I be surprised if Georgia loses and the whole they weren't trying narrative comes back up? No, but I am going to take the Bulldogs 30-20. to 20. And then that leads us into the VRBO Citrus Bowl between – Auburn and number 14, Northwestern. Northwestern, three and a half point favorites following their loss in the Big Ten Championship to Ohio State. Yes, I'd love for you to tell me what's going on at Auburn. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Well, there. I don't I don't know because what's happened today is you under the impression that Steve Sarkeesian was gonna interview, never thought he was gonna get the job necessarily. Didn't even interview. Sounds like Billy Napier's not interested. Sounds like Steele's not in consideration. Bill Clark's the guy that's trending right now, but does that does that come to fruition? I mean, it flew, a couple of days ago, it sounded like Mario Cristobal is about to be introduced. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what's I don't know what's happening in Auburn right now. Yes. Yeah, what so I do can... know, what I sorry, what I do know, I just got the notification. Bo uh, LSU and Bo Pelini uh, parting ways probably a good move. Yeah, that marriage worked really well for. Uh... Edward Geron. Oh, and look at this stat. They surrendered 492 yards and 34.9 points per game. That is ridiculous. Sorry, I, I cut you off a couple times there. Just had to just had to get out that. You know, we, we break the news here at the Red Shirt. Yeah, so um, Auburn up in the air. No one really knows what's going on against maybe the most consistent team in college football. Not necessarily that they're consistently good year in, year out, but that culture – Pat Fitzgerald, um, I feel like he's just one of the steadiest coaches. Northwestern's one of the steadiest programs uh, in college football. Fitzgerald, even though he's getting calls from the NFL right now, I believe, he just feels like a Northwestern guy. Um, Their new AD, because their old AD is going to be the commissioner of the ACC, should give Fitzgerald a lifetime contract. He's been done wonders for that program, and so I just think I'll take what I know over what I don't know, and so I'll take the steadiness Northwestern. 
with you. Um, if Pat Fitzgerald wants an NFL job, I, 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 as a fan, I'm willing to offer him the New York Jets head coaching job. Um, but no, he seems like a Northwestern guy through and through. I think it'd take a lot to get him to leave. Auburn is just frankly a mediocre team without a head coach, without clear direction. So I'm going to take the hard work and gritty defense. You know what you're getting from Northwestern. It's not necessarily going to be high scoring. It's not going to be beautiful. But a couple plays from Peyton Ramsey is all they really need. So I'll take Northwestern 20 to 12. That three and a half I am a fan of. And then we have two New Year's Day games, but those are a little bigger than the rest of these. So we'll come back to that and skip to January 2nd, where we have the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, number 23 NC State takes on Kentucky, and I, let me make sure I have this right. It, I believe Kentucky's a, a three-point favorite in this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it might be down to two and a half, but we can uh, go with three here. Um, Kentucky's had a weird year. I know there have been – seen some articles about they're trying to get their Joe Brady, um, Rams guy who worked with Sean McVay. I just don't think – Kentucky's offense is dynamic enough. I know NC State's had some quarterback injuries. Um, but with all that being said, I think NC State's the better team. However, why is NC State the underdog? I think Vegas knows something I don't know. This line just smells a little fishy, and so I'm going to take Kentucky minus three just because it feels off. But I have zero confidence in this pick. I mean, yeah, Vegas Vegas must know something because NC State, since the injury to Devin Leary, who he was looking awesome at quarterback, they had to go back to Bailey Hoffman. They just, they've won. They lost a nail-biter, really tough game to Miami on a Friday night, 44-41. But they've taken care of business. Otherwise, they beat Georgia Tech. They beat Syracuse. Uh, they took down Liberty undefeated and ranked at the time. I think NC State's been really steady versus Kentucky. They've had really nothing through the air. Touchdown Terry has only produced seven of them through the air. Their running game, they've shown some promise. And th that game against South Carolina was definitely encouraging. But they've just been lay laying duds against even F Florida's a good team, but with an awful defense. If you're only scoring 10 points on Florida and just – you can't you can't cut it when you're having games where you score three points, ten points. They they do it too often. I I don't hate their defense. I think they can do a little bit in the run game, but NC State this feels this feels free. So maybe maybe Vegas really does know something. But I'm taking NC State. I think they route them. I I have thirty to thirteen NC State. Yeah, they, uh, I think they leave no doubt. NC State to me seems like the right play, but when in doubt, I know that Vegas is smarter than I am. So I'll side with Vegas here. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's plenty fair. Next we have the Outback Bowl, Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, and Ole Miss versus uh, I would say I would say America's Sweetheart, number eleven, Indiana, Indiana, seven point favorite. Yeah, this game's weird. I think Indiana, good team, well coached. I think Ole Miss. Good team, question mark, well-coached, question mark. I know Lane Kiffin um, brings with him quite the track record. He's a good recruiter, good in-game coach, a little bit of a weird guy. Um, Tom Allen, steady. Indiana is kind of reminding me of Northwestern right now. 
where you look up and you're like, how are they that good? And you watch them, you're like, this team's not that good. And then they are that good. It just kind of happens. Um, so I don't know here because Ole Miss, I think, can put up points. Does Indiana really want to get into a track meet with them? I'm not sure. Um, Indiana can also kind of slow the game down and uh, play at their pace. However, I am a little worried about um, this line being a little reactionary to Matt Corral's um, ineptitude almost in that game against LSU. I think he <laughs> That's had six, great. I think he had That's six turnovers. Um, Indiana hasn't played since that Wisconsin game, I believe. Um, that game was an eight-point game weird big 10 14 to 6 game um but Penix is out and so I'll take Ole Miss here laying this uh getting the seven excuse me although I wouldn't be surprised if this line comes down and because I think Indiana is going to win the game outright I think there might be value uh, on Indiana by the time the game happens yeah it's gone down a half point right now it's sitting at six and a half but I'm not betting against Tom Allen. I'll I'll get I'll throw whatever points you want. I'd I'd run through a brick wall for that guy. What he's done with Indiana this year has been nothing short of incredible. They really were a couple place swings from beating Ohio State and you know playing in Indianapolis. And this Ole Miss team, it's really hard to get a read because they'll score at crazy length. Sometimes they scored 48 with their quarterback throwing five interceptions. John Reese Plumley would never, my, my <laughs> preseason sleeper. Um, you don't know what you're getting from Matt Corral because he has these crazy great games, and then you throw five interceptions. You can't do that in Division One college football. I think Indiana's going to be able to dominate the pace. Ole Miss is going to score some points, but I think ultimately Tom Allen and his guys – they're going to get it done, when in doubt, throw it up to Freifogel. He's crazy. I think if there's ever a team that, you know, is the anti of not, you know, lulling into bowl season and, you know, not being motivated, Tom Allen is going to have his guys ready. I love me some Lane Kiffin, let me tell you. But I'm not picking against Indiana here. I'll, I'll give them the seven, 38 to 27. Then next we have the PlayStation. Not PlayStation 5, which I have not been able to attain, but just the PlayStation Bowl, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Excuse me, I, I can't even, getting so late into the episode, I can't even speak. Uh, number 25, Oregon, coming off their uh, Pac-12, not Pac-12 North championship. Um, they go up against number 10, Iowa State. I don't know what to do with this game. This is another game. I don't feel I have a read on it. Oregon, they're fine. Their defense was going to be really good. They lost a bunch of dudes to opt-outs, and then their defense was not as good. Tyler Shuck, um, he hasn't been great. I do think Oregon has a bright future with Ty Thompson, Troy Franklin. Uh, really, really good recruiting class this year. Um, Iowa State laying four. I think Iowa State's going to win the game. I think they're going to win by more than four, but I'm not confident in either of those, so. Take from that what you will. Yeah, this is a weird game because Iowa State, they have that star in Brees Hall, and they they ended up putting a fight against Oklahoma, but they've just been at so many different points. They had that blowout loss to what ended up being, I mean, a good Louisiana team. They've just they've played some games close. They've they they they're just they're a weird team. Versus Oregon, 
you know, some can speculate as to whether or not they should have been in the Pac-12 championship to begin with. To be fair, their game oh, the week before would have officially decided it. That was canceled from it. I just like the explosiveness, actually at least explosive possibility from this Iowa State team. Brees Hall does Brees Hall things. Uh, Brock Purdy's been one of the most disappointing players in the country, but he still has plenty of talent. I think he can get it done, need a couple throws to win it. Of note, both of these quarterbacks, as well as Spencer Rattler and uh, Keaton Slovis, who were all, those four quarterbacks made up the Big 12 and Pac-12 championship game, all held from the state of Arizona. Love to see that recruiting effort. But long story short, I'm going to take Iowa State. I think it'll be close. I think Oregon can ground and pound a little bit, run them through. So I'll take Iowa State, but I'll give Oregon the four. We'll say 27-26 Iowa State. And then... Our last non-college uh, football playoff bowl game, I believe, we have the Capital One Orange Bowl versus the could-have-been CFP contenders, number five, Texas A&M. They're six-point favorites against number 13, North Carolina. Um, I don't get this line. I don't think Texas A&M is that good. I think they had a right to fight, except when the best thing on your resume is we only lost by 24 to the best team in the country. We beat an on and off Florida team by three with the last second field goal at home. Um, their second best win. I don't know. I mean, my high school team could have beaten some of those teams that they beat. Um, and so I'm taking North Carolina here. I think North Carolina wins outright. I think A&M might be like Georgia a few years ago, that game against Texas, going back to that again. North Carolina being on the rise, having a quarterback coming back. This just screams a lot of parallels uh, to that game. And then UNC with their great recruiting classes, everyone hypes them up in the offseason and they lay a dud next year. Um, but long story short, North Carolina, whatever line you want to give me, they're winning outright. I can I can understand that, but I'm actually going to look at it the other way. I think Texas a and is going to go out there and I think they're going to be motivated to play and show that they deserved to be in that college football playoff. And I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. I'm kind of with you. I'm not really sure if they actually deserve that number four spot, but that we could, we could have an old, a whole episode about that. End of story. I think you have an angry Texas A&M team against a very talented North Carolina offense that they're going to, they're going to score a lot. You have Sam Howell, but you, you also have that crazy duo on the ground. They had that phenomenal performance against a good Miami team. So that it definitely makes me think hard. I think this will be a fun one, a lot of points, but I trust Texas A&M's defense to get a stop more than I do North Carolina's. So I'm going to take a and I'll take North Carolina for the plus six, but the Aggies outright 38 to 34. Yeah. So we here get to see another one of, I get to see who's better at our favorite game, guessing um, who cares if football games between 19, 20 or one year olds uh, with me taking North Carolina and Jeremy taking uh, A&M, except I believe you said UNC against spread, correct? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Ta- I'll. I'll take UNC for the six. But no, it's really. I mean, it's. It's hard. It's hard to project these games. These ones, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that uh, the players in these are relatively motivated, and that being the Rose Bowl game, the granddaddy of them all. We're gonna call it the Tumbleweed Bowl uh, here on the podcast. College football playoff semifinal number one. 
Number four, Notre Dame coming off an embarrassing loss to Clemson in the ACC championship game. They were previously undefeated in the ACC championship game, if you didn't know. Uh, against number one, Alabama Crimson Tide, who fought off Kyle Trask and the Gators. Vegas, uh, as I put it, um, was giving Alabama 19 and a half, although it may have risen. It mm-hmm. actually is to, it's still at 19 and a half. So, love to see it. Yeah, so this line's still 19 and a half. It looks closer to 20 than it does to 19. Um, if it gets 21 and a half, you might have to play Notre Dame. I doubt it gets there. Sharps would be all over that. Um, I don't love this line. I think Alabama's much better than Notre Dame. Um, I want to pick Notre Dame. I want to go with the angle that they um, are going to rebound from their loss to Clemson this year, their loss to Clemson, I believe, at the same stadium. Um for the Cotton Bowl for the playoff a few years ago um, and keep this game close. I don't think I can bet against Alabama, though, um, so I'll lay the 19-and-a-half here. I mean, you have a tale of two weekends. Alabama's struggles were, you know, being ahead of Florida the whole game and, poss- you know, possibly having a late comeback from Kyle Trask and having fits with, the likes of Canarius Tony and Kyle Pitts versus Notre Dame got off to a decent start against a great Clemson team, but then just got hammered to the point where Notre Dame was considered a playoff lock this whole time. They were beaten so bad that there were actual conversations as to whether or not they'd secure the four spot. They did. And here we are. I, this just is a lopsided matchup to me because if you want to be Alabama, you're going to have to score in bunches. And I don't think – I mean, no team has really proven they can score with Alabama, let alone a Notre Dame team that Ian Book's been better this year, but they're by no means a dynamic offense. They're, they ground it out and pound it. Um, physical, in the trenches. Alabama, no, no one's scoring with them. And I think although they had a rough defensive performance, I think they can bounce back a lot of those guys – um, won't you know those defenders won't have to worry about playing against Kyle Pitts or Canarius Tony? There's talent on that Notre Dame team, but not as dynamic as Florida. I think Alabama handles it. I'll say, uh, I'm with you. I think if it rises closer to 21, it's more of a question, but I'm gonna take the Crimson Tide 45 to 24, so outright and the spread. Yeah, so I do think though, here Notre Dame's game plan is gonna be to knock it in a boat race with, um, Alabama. I agree with you that no one in the country can score with Alabama, so I think Notre Dame is going to try and slow it down. Problem is just the athletes that Alabama has. I think they might be able to shut down Kyron Williams. Um, then whenever Ian Book drops back, I believe Will Richardson is that the, his name? Um, Will uh, Will uh, Anderson. Uh, Will Anderson, yeah. Um, edge rusher, freshman, dude's a stud. Um, but I will say, as a long shot, I don't mind parlaying Notre Dame even straight up with the under just putting a little bit on that because I think that payout's huge. I don't see Notre Dame in the winning or even keeping it close. If this game goes over, I believe full Richardson is a guard at the university of Oregon. Um, <laughs> just, just a note. Like that name, yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I just don't think, I don't think you can, I don't see a path for a team like Notre Dame to beat Alabama because you can try to run that slow, you know, keep the ball away from them. But Alabama's defense, again, they had a tough game, 
but I don't think you can really be successful like that. So I I am fairly confident in this pick, and I'll I'll eat I'll eat crow if I'm wrong. I think many people are with me. However, um, next we have the second college football playoff semifinal, that being the All State Sugar Bowl. Number three, Ohio State, seven and a half point underdogs against number two, Clemson. Of note, Dabo Sweeney, if if his uh, AP poll or excuse me, coaches poll um, says anything, he doesn't even think Ohio State's top ten team. He has them ranked at number eleven. Just um, you know, fat fat, just fat facts from the red shirt. <laughs> um, so this game, Clemson being favored by seven and a half, I think is really, really interesting. This game opened a bunch of places, I believe, at six. Um, now I'm seeing it as high as eight. Um, so I think that's super interesting. I think Ohio State knows what they want to do, except getting back to their top offense probably looks a lot like what they played last year, uh, about, a lot like their game plan against Clemson last year. And we've seen what uh, Brent Venables can do when he plays the team again. That Notre Dame offense just looked lifeless last game. Um, so under a touchdown, I definitely like Clemson. Over 10, I definitely like Ohio State. That feels like common sense. Um, here, I just think I'll take Ohio State. I believe we said seven and a half. We did. Um, I don't feel confident in taking Ohio State here, um, but I will. I just think that they're going to focus on shutting down Trevor Lawrence's legs. And although that could burn them with ETN and others, um, I think that with uh, Lawrence running all over um, Notre Dame with Lawrence's running last year against Ohio state, that's going to be a focus. And I'm, so I'm really interested to see how defense works when their main focus is maybe Lawrence's legs as opposed to his arm. Um, but I think Ohio State has the athletes to contain them. I think Clemson wins this game, but I think Ohio State can keep it within touchdown and a hook. Yeah, uh, I understand the questions as to whether or not Ohio State is really deserve if they're deserving to be playing here, if they're actually having done enough to be the number three team in the country. But however you dice it, they're here, and on a pure talent level, they are there. It's all about Justin Fields because we saw the performance that Trey Sermon put up, but they're going up against a very, very stout front in Clemson. They need Justin Fields to perform. He really has, in in the big games of his career, he's struggled. That's all there really is to it. He needs to get it going, whether it be through the air. He has his crazy number wide receivers who will probably all be back because the big 10 has just, you know, bent all their rules, including their, uh, um, player quarantining rules, you know, for Ohio state. Cause you know, I don't know. I'm not going to try to get into the big 10 again, whole nother conversation going into the big 10 playing favorites with Ohio state. They they have all that talent there. Justin Fields needs to make plays. This is a good Clemson team, but their defense, I think it's fair to say, isn't quite to the standard that they have been for some of their previous um, teams. I also know, I can't, I the name is blanking me, but I know they have a linebacker that'll be missing the first half due to targeting. If you, if it's not come, it's not coming to mind right now for me, but. 
this is a defense that they're they're good. They're still a plenty good defense, but Nolan Turner. Nolan Turner. It's Nolan Turner. Nolan. I wasn't sure if it, if it was him or uh, Skalski. Nolan Turner. Justin Fields needs to make plays. He wants to prove himself as the quarterback too. Behind the guy who's playing, Trevor Lawrence, he needs to make plays. That's how Ohio State wins this game. And when you look at it, this is a Clemson team that at any moment they can kind of just turn on the burners and make it go crazy. You saw uh, Notre Dame miss that field goal, and it just was gone from there. You have a long touchdown, def- you know, great defensive play. I'm going to take Clemson here. I think they're the better team. I think they have the better quarterback. Seven and a half uh, rematch of last year. I know Ohio State's not happy. I think they'll keep it within the seven and a half. It'll be a classic 34-31 Clemson. And then, so we both have Alabama and Clemson, correct? We do. So this leaves us with our national championship, which this is obviously a hypothetical prediction because who's to say it's not going to be Ohio State and Notre Dame? Not us. But if our initial predictions stand, what are you thinking of Alabama versus Clemson for the 700th time? Yeah, so this is tough for me. Um, Alabama on paper, definitely the better team. Um, I think they have the better quarterback with Mac Jones over DJ Uyongalele because Trevor Lawrence is now basically a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I need to get as many blows on you there as I can. I'm gonna. I, sw- um, I will. I, I will end it right now. I can finish <laughs> it. I can finish it without you. I got you for all I need. Let's not. Come on, man. It's only been a day. Um, <sighs> you know, I do. I do think Trevor Lawrence is. I think he's that good. I've been watching a little bit more of him. Um, Mac Jones has impressed me too. Najee Harris out of Northern California. He's a stud. ETN's a stud. Very different runners, um, but I think they can both do the job. Um, I do think Alabama is just a little more dynamic on offense. I know we've been talking all year about does Clemson have those wide receivers this year? They don't have um, a Justin Ross. They don't have a T. Higgins. Um, and so what could that do for their offense? And so I think – I'm taking Alabama straight up. There obviously isn't a line for this yet. Um, I can look up what a hypothetical line would be and give you a pick there. We'll let Jeremy give some analysis on why he thinks Alabama is the best team in the country. He said it, not me. I think this is still a very good Clemson team, and that game against Notre Dame showed. They're still that same old Clemson team. You you doubt Dabo Sweeney for a second, and he's going to – He's gonna break your heart, and he's gonna he's gonna take advantage. But I don't. I I said it before. There's not a team that's gonna be able to neutralize Alabama and outscore Alabama. It's that simple. Clemson doesn't have quite that ferocious front. Um, not uh, excuse me. They have that ferocious front, but not quite that elite defense that they've had in previous years. So Bama's gonna score points. And Clemson, I think where they're going to have success against Alabama is on the ground with Travis Etienne, um, also out of the backfield. I think Alabama, is their defense, it's been up and down. I think the big reason for that is poor play at linebacker. Dylan Moses has definitely been a disappointment coming back from his injury last year. Clemson wins this game in the trenches. They need to, they need to attack that second level for Alabama. But in the end, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is probably the best player or it's, he's probably going to be the first player taken, I should say. First 
top player in the NFL's eyes, but the best player on the field in this hypothetical matchup on January 11th, that is Devontae Smith. No DB in the country is stopping him. Derek Stingley's, he's tried, hasn't gotten it. Notre Dame in this hypothetical matchup, not doing it. He is the best player in the country. If that if he does not win the Heisman, the Heisman does not serve what it says in it being awarded to the best player in the country. Give me Alabama. Give me a couple big plays from Smitty. Don't count out your uh, local NorCal guy, uh, Najee Harris, after his five touchdown performance. I'm I'm gonna be I'm always biased. I'm gonna have a little bit of bias, but I can say objectively that this Alabama team is incredible. And Clemson can give them a run. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Clemson would win this football game. But I'm I'm not betting against the combination of Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and of course Nick Saban. So I'll give, give me the tide. Um I don't know if you I don't I'm not sure about line. Obviously, it's all hypothetical. I'm saying 40 to 34 Crimson Tide. Yeah, I think um, definitely the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide are the best team in the country. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll win at all because that's what we love about um, college football. But I do think they are the best team. Um, as we have some more news, Major Applewhite, I believe he used to be at Houston. He's now the offensive coordinator at South Alabama. Um, for all those Jaguar fans out there, if you care about that one. And then I believe I just saw um, that um, Army is likely to be in the Liberty Bowl um, from Brett McMurphy. Army has told the Liberty Bowl it will replace Tennessee, but the Black Knights are still waiting for matchup versus West Virginia to be accepted by the Liberty Bowl and West Virginia. But that seems good for Army after Tennessee had to withdraw from that game. Yeah, as well uh, for uh, my Arizona State listeners, Frank Darby has officially announced he's leaving Arizona State, headed to the draft. For my Jet fans, um, I'm not quite sure how, but Brian Costello has reported the Jets did not have any players selected to the Pro Bowl, despite Mekhi Becton being the leading uh, vote-getter, as well as Braden Mann being the best punter in all of football. Um but yeah, that's that's what I've gotten so far. Uh, yeah, and just, uh, for, just just for clarification, Frank Darby did not opt out of a bowl game because, as we all know, Arizona State did not make a bowl game. Uh, correction: Arizona State made a bowl game. Herm Edwards, after their victory over Oregon State, announced they would not be playing. It's following suit for the rest of the Pac-12, sir. They they didn't want to get embarrassed. They just didn't want to get embarrassed. Well. This is, I mean, I, I think this is where we got to draw it because you're, you're, you're speaking some nonsense <laughs> right now, and I, um, I've been having a good time. I don't want to break that good time. So that'll just about end this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. All of these picks will be uploaded to the blog. Um, Jacob and I will have a little side bet going on this. I, I'm, I'm, vi- I'm going to be victorious. We all know this. Um, call like your book. Call call your Bucky and make every pick that I made. But otherwise, um, follow the Instagram at the.redshirt, as well as the blog where you can see this eventual post, the redshirt.blog. Uh, throw the Twitter follow at the redshirt blog. Jacob, this is the time. Do you have any shameless plugs? Thank you for having me. Um, I look forward to being back to preview the NFL draft and Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars.
I have had this man on. I think you are my most often reoccurring guest, and this is how you treat me. I am. I'm sitting in my room. I can see my Jamal Adams jersey sitting on the floor, and the. That will be all for this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.